So strange, but hey, it's so good. Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm gonna move that because I just I'm, I kind of slap my arms around and I'll probably hit something. Hey, um, it's, I I don't know why it's the last time you you uh, record people. And um, somehow my mother got hold of the recording, maybe my wife gave it or something, and my mum's phones up, I'm 39 years old, I'm a priest, I'm a professional, and my mum phones up and gives me hell for my language. <laughs> just told me off for all the swear words, like honestly, just a tirade of being told off. I'm like, so I'm going to try and rein it in today and be a proper priest who watches... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Patsy, if she's listening, Patsy, I'm not going to say shit or anything like that. It's going to be all good. Um, so, hey, listen, lovely to be here again. Um, I, Scott had mentioned that you guys maybe had been kind of looking at the theme of renewal and stuff. Is that right? Yes. Everyone's, there's two yeses. So, like, um, so uh, in light of that theme, which you clearly remember and are passionate about, um, I thought I'd share on, uh, on a, another one of my kind of favourite passages um, in the Bible. It's the story of the transfiguration. Um, and the reason I kind of want to share on this for a wee bit is because when I think of renewal or seeing kind of like, I don't know, that kind of society brought alive more by the life of Jesus, um, I often think, oh, we're going to be match fit. And uh, so what does it be, look like to be match fit for a movement of God in amongst our neighbourhoods or places or t- cities? And, um, and so some of what I'm going to share tonight is going to be bread and butter for some of you. That's very basic. And for others, hopefully there's a, a bit of a gift in, in what I've got to bring. Okay? Great. Sweet. And uh, I'm trying my hardest to slow down because someone last time said, far too fast, didn't understand anything. <laughs> so... Uh, here we go. By the way, where's the note taker guy that I took the piss out of? He's gone, he's gone. I love that guy. He left the church after I spoke. Uh, we, I feel like we bonded and it was a good time. There's not the note taker guy. There's a note taker. No, no, it wasn't about the note taker. But, um, but no. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, Jesus help us. Here we go. So, uh, this is from Matthew 17. It's a beauty of a story. Here we go. This is the gospel according to Matthew. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Uh, who thought about that? John's known as the brother of James. So James is James. Uh, sorry, it's nothing to do with my sermon. It just stuck out to me. Um, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured. Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them um, his tupuna, Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Uh, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is pretty out there, trippy stuff there. Listen, um, while he was still, sorry, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they they saw nobody except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone about what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And a bit further on it says, 
As they came down the mountain, they came to the crowd. A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls or is thrown into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving, perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with this? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out the boy and he was healed at that moment. The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. You need to be match fit. Crazy, trippy story, eh? Pretty out there. Was it just me? Is that normal for you? You go up a mountain, there's like a freaking smoke machine, there's like drum and bass, there's like big noises, there's like strobe lights, it's like, it's best. Turns out it's not some sort of R&B festival up on a mountain. No, 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 no. It's the transfiguration, right? It's pretty out there. It's pretty, pretty next level. And um, there's just a few things I want to kind of bring out of that passage in terms of, uh, because there's a lot you can speak about in terms of this really trippy passage. There's whole commentaries written on it. But I just want to go to some of the more basic stuff around what the Christian life involves and um, in terms of how to live it. And that is a life of prayer, a life of mission, a life of community, which you know, but hopefully, again, there'll be some gifts and, and some of the reflections I've had from this passage. All good? Okay, so, so first thing, um, Jesus goes up the mountain, uh, it's kind of well into his ministry, uh, it's getting kind of serious now, he knows his time's coming to an end because the powers, the man, the, the, the kind of colonising forces and the kind of, you know, the, the who's who are out to get him, he knows his time's coming to an end. And uh, he's kind of getting, kind of, you know, shit's getting real. Sorry, man. Um, sorry. Uh, stuff's getting real. And um, he's uh, kind of, just to know, he's trying to get his disciples to really understand who they're called to be and whatever else. And so he takes them up the mountain, a massive mountain, uh, to pray. Because that's what they're called to is a life of prayer. And as they go up the mountain, um, this crazy experience happens that we've just heard. And... Um, and it's, it's one of those things where in that, in that moment of prayer, we learn, I think, three critical things about the life of prayer. Because often when we go, oh, life of prayer, what, what does that even mean? I think there's three things that I learned from this that I think is, is crucial to a life of prayer. First one is this. Um, when the cloud comes over him and the voice from heaven, God the Father speaks, um, he says, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And it's a, it's a flashback to Jesus' baptismal vows. You are my child, whom I love. If there's something we need to hear every single time we pray, every time we have kind of quiet time with God or in a group, the voice we should be hearing, first of all, is the one that says, I care how you feel about yourself, the truth of the matter is, you are my child, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. In a, in a society, in a thing where it's like all our identity stuff and all our kind of sense of who we can pick and choose who we want to be or whatever it is, is in life, it gets so fully confusing and anxiety ridden to live life at the moment. But to know at the very foundation of who we are, the one thing that's not up for debate, I'm a child of God, always, and I'm loved, and the creator of the universe is well pleased with me. That's a gift. Every time in prayer, from the moment of Jesus' baptism to this crucial moment in his journey, 
It's the same message. It's the same message for us. Right? So a life of prayer is a life that reminds us every single time I tell the God I'm loved. He's well pleased with me. Mate, I can walk with confidence. That's not Paul Poppy syndrome. That's biblical. So that's the first thing. Life of prayer involves that. Second thing a life of prayer involves is it's a real, honest, hard conversation. Like Jesus, um, he has in that kind of, if you look back in that passage, he has this conversation with his pupuna. It's quite, it's quite lovely. It's not like kind of European random spirituality. It's kind of more Maori. And that he suddenly his ancestors appear, right? He's having a corridor with the ancestors. And what are they talking about? They're talking about his departure, it says in some of the other translations. So they're talking about Jesus' death and resurrection, which is hard stuff. That prayer involves talking about Jesus. You're going to die, mate. It looks like plan A has gone out the window and it's plan B now. You're going to have to die because the, 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 not everyone wants you. And the ones with power, they're going to take you out because you're standing up for the, you're standing up for the, the oppressed. You've got some business to do here. It's going to be rugged. Prayer is a place we go and talk. I don't want to do this shit, man. This is, this is crazy. I don't want to, you know what I mean? They're talking really hard stuff. You with me? So this thing of prayer is a, is a place where they're talking about the hardship, the challenges, the pain of life. I love that. If I have to go to a life of prayer and there's this built-in thing from maybe my cultural background where I think I'll oh, pray you have to be pious and proper and say the right words, nah, nah, nah. We're talking real life issues here. You with me? So there's that aspect. I love the fact that in prayer we should expect to talk about the real stuff with each other and with God together. And the third thing, though, it doesn't just, just stop there. Prayer is also uh, not just about who I am and talking about the real hard stuff, but it's also talking about hopeful stuff. Because in that discussion with the ancestors, in that conversation with God, they're talking about the resurrection. It's not all doom and gloom. Suffering will not have the final say. The hard crap will not have the final say. The resurrection's coming. So he's having this, he's having this conversation with with God's messengers that are basically also reminding them, look, it's going to be rugged, but we've got this in the long haul. There's always hope. Prayer should get us to a place of hope and transformation and new life, even if it's so bad. You with me? So those, when I think of a life of prayer or when I'm praying for other people or whatever else or I'm hearing things, I'm thinking, does this line up for me and remind me or remind this person or remind this community that we are children of God, that we're loved, we're talking about real stuff, but it's also got heaps of hope in it. That's my framework for a life of prayer. All right? So that's who we're called to be, a people who are up on the mountain, who go up the mountain, who take time away from Netflix now and again or... or um, or throwing salt on tiles or whatever it is that we're doing. <laughs> See if that guy's awake. No, he's not. He's not um, so, but. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, <laughs> that's your. It goes bad when you rise. It's not really good. Um, so, but that's the life of prayer. But the thing is, a life of prayer does not stay on the mountain. You know what I love about this story is that here you are up on this thing, there's this crazy Hillsong moment, right? I mean, it's awesome. It is Hill, I've got nothing against Hillsong. It's flipping awesome. It's, I like worship, I like Pentecostal worship, mate. I'm, I'm not scared to admit it, I've come round. I'm that guy, you know, I'm into Tazy chanting and stuff like that. I'm part of our division and all that, carry on, blah, blah, blah. But I do like a bit of like Brooke or whatever, right? 
you know, whatever. So it's those hilltop moment. And I just, sometimes you just want to stay there on the mountain worshiping, and it's so good, it's brilliant. And Peter, Peter, the, the first pope of the church, he's up there with, with, uh, with Jesus, and he's like, mate, let's stay here. This is so good. I'll put up tents, one for you, one for, for Elijah and Moses, whatever. We'll just, stay, we'll just stay up here. We'll just stay up here and uh, enjoy it. You know, get, get the wine, get the, the good sour bro bread and some of nice cheeses. Let's just stay here. Let's not go down to the shit down below. I don't want to go back down to that valley, into the, into the streets down there. Heck no, not the neighbourhood. Now let's stay up here. Away from the dirty people. Let's stay up here. You know what I mean? What are you laughing at, Jacks? <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> I'm serious. Right? He wants, and I, I get it. I want to stay up there. But a life of prayer, a life of prayer, he always compels us, if we're with Jesus, to go back down the valley, but with confidence. Confidence in who I am as God's child. Confidence that I'm not alone, that we're not alone. To go down the valley and to be faced with a suffering world that so desperately needs to hear that they are loved, that they have a purpose, that healing is possible, that even in the worst situation, Beauty and love can have the final say. Yeah? And so what happens is you see them there. Jesus goes, Yeah, Peter, you've got it wrong there, mate. Let's go on. We'll go down the mountain. They go down the mountain. And who are they faced with, first of all? In this pinnacle moment in their Christian maturity journey, what are they faced with? They're faced with a child who wants to commit suicide constantly. I find that really significant. They come down after this high, like you can't get a more intense, full on, Jesus' high moment, they've been given the biggest gift, the most intense faith-building experience ever, but now they have the responsibility because they go down and they're with a kid that nobody can control. The family, the dad is at his wit's end going, I love my son, but I don't know what to do. It's such a freaking nightmare. All the fucking social services have tried their best and, and all these guys have tried their best and we've tried this kind of prayer and we've tried this kind of religion, whatever else, and my kid just wants to throw himself into the fire. My kid just wants to throw himself into the water. And, he's, and in another passage it says he self-harms. It's the worst situation as a parent. You know what I mean? And they're faced with that. And Jesus comes in with the disciples and he brings peace and healing. And it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And that's what they're called to. A life of prayer on the hilltop. But from that place, we're always, if we're listening to the spirit of Jesus, going down into the muck of life where the stuff that we learned up here gets to the street. And it brings a blessing to the street, into the hard places and the forgotten places and the lonely places. And it brings transformation. And it's so bloody good. A life of prayer, a life of mission. But it's a life we do together. Again, you guys know what this is about. We do this never by ourselves. You want to burn out? You want to get cynical? Do it by yourself. You do it together. Jesus takes his crew up with him. Jesus takes the crew down with them. They're with Jesus together. It's not me and Jesus. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. You want, you want to lose your faith to become a solitary Christian. That is, it's a not a thing. <laughs> we pray together through the good and the bad. We serve together through the good and the bad, knowing Jesus is with us. And we've got those three components. We see these miraculous things happen. I remember... Um, 
I was thinking about today, when I was thinking about this, this passage, how every time me and my wife, you know, I've been a Christian for 21 years now, since I was 18, and um, every time I've had a, a season of, of kind of prayer, and it's a new season of refreshment or whatever else, or there's significant moments with a community of people uh, journeying together, whenever I had a time of prayer, like, re- like wanting renewal for our neighbourhood, whatever neighbourhood it is, whether it was in Auckland or... Wamanui or wherever it was, it's always led <laughs> from a place of prayer and praise being led into a thing of, oh my gosh, we're in a situation I don't know how to handle, I need Jesus. Like, honestly, I could, I, I've not got time to go through the list, but I started to create a list and go, mate, every single time. Remember in, in my Roscoe, 15 years ago, we had a little home group, a bunch of young adults in our early 20s, praying, God show us what to do, I remember this one particular time we'd been praying, we went out of, of the church building we're in, and across the road was this um, uh, kind, of, kind of homeless um, uh, group of three um, who, who were just like kind of in our face and who ended up living with us for a few years and ended up defining a big part of our life and our shaping our, being the biggest gift to us. It was a hell of a journey. And they came and lived with us for a, 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 quite a while, but it birthed from a place of prayer in the sense of God saying, these people are to be invited in, right? It was that one. Mm-hmm. I remember um, after a really long season um, in my Roscoe moving, um, being pretty, pretty exhausted and getting together with a group of people to pray about our next season, and then that season being led into um, moving into a, a woman's refuge to help our, our friends out who'd had some medical stuff go down and we ended up having to foster their kid and again feeling all oh, this out of our out of our comfort zone but then realizing actually the biggest gift to us was journeying with them in that season and more recently we moved to um, Wanganui again there's a story behind that but uh, it's been a hard season where my wife um, she's got a disability a brain injury that we're still trying to figure out the last two and a half years she couldn't walk for about a year she lives in constant pain she'll only be able to start picking up our, our child about a year ago and then uh, been pretty full on, leading a church, pretty much voluntary, running a business and whatever else. All this kind of staff. And getting to the start of this year, four years into Wanganui, and, um, and kind of going, oh, maybe we should take a, a bit of a, a chill season. <laughs> and so praying with our people, some of our friends, of what are, even though we're still there, still involved in the church and, and leading it and so on, and what, is it, what does it look like for us to, the next step? My wife saying to me, Oh, do you know the house next to us that is run by Teoro Ho and helps young people transition into um, independent living? Um, they need some people to lead it. And I think it's us. And me going, hell no. <laughs> hell no, no, no. We're having a chill season, mate. No way. And then a week after, or two weeks after, of me constantly telling her, Nat, you're, you're mishearing. I think you're having a mental breakdown, Anna. Um, of going to our little home group that we're part of and... Um, and having this full-on vision I had of, that I could not escape from, how, we had 10 minutes of silence, and I kept on replaying on my mind of my trampoline being taken from my house down the road up to this house next to our church, and us moving into the home that, was in, that I was, she had mentioned. Like, so clear, so clear. And then moving in, utterly at peace, knowing this is a God thing. We're doing it with other people, and this year's been a gift. It's been a gift to the young person, I reckon, that's with us, and there'll be more moving in soon. But it's always that stuff, that stuff is always, as crazy as it is, and as life-giving as it is, has always been birthed out of a few
few of us getting together and praying. You know what I mean? Because the gift that God gives to me about who I am and what we're called to is a gift that's to be shared with others and we find more life. Can I share one story of what this looks like? Is this okay? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit of an outside of um, New Zealand context story. I was going to share a New Zealand one, but um, I, I am all about shameless promotion. And, um, and uh, part of, I think I've mentioned maybe before, the first time I spoke here, part of what we do is our money goes to Joya in Kolkata, uh, that you might be aware of. You guys drink the coffee, and a bunch of our money goes to kind of helping communities that are impacted by severe poverty and modern day slavery, um, particularly in the area of sexual trafficking. And then, so we, uh, a few of us went out uh, last year, again, just to kind of connect them with some of the stuff that Joya is doing. They were kind of rebranding, restructuring. And it was a really beautiful time, really full on time. And um, we're in India in Kolkata, and uh, I got to meet some of the staff of Joya, some of the local staff. So there's, we've got about, among the things that Joya does, um, there's about 200 mainly women that are employed now making teas and bags and jumpers and stuff and a bunch of other businesses. And probably got about six to 800 kids, I think, that are part of the community that we kind of work alongside that's connect with those families. Um, and the majority of the women that are employed are employed out of the sex trade where there was no option and um, are now in alternative employment, there's wraparound support, social work, medical, counselling, all this stuff. You can check it out online, it's really legit. And, uh, and so, um, anyway, I was out there and I got to meet some of the local staff. Had the confidence of that with some people in a place of prayer to walk into a neighbourhood and to realise that she can bring a gift that is going to be a gift to others. And from that place, these new flourishing stories started. The healing stories started that causes the buzz and the excitement that I think we all want to see. Now that's an extreme story, but it's also the story we should kind of long for and I think lean into as part of our story here in Aotearoa. Mm -hmm. All good? Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna pray a wee blessing upon you all in that journey of um, prayer and mission and community. And, uh, and then we'll go into, I think, maybe communion. Is that kind of how it? Worship is worship. That's good. That's a good thing to, to worship too. <laughs> Jesus, I am super grateful for this uh, group, of, group of people, group of, of folk that are your children. God, we thank you so much that at the foundation of who we are, we are your sons and daughters. We are your, we are your, we are your kids that you love dearly, no matter what. But God, also I pray that you continue to give us the courage to realise that we are a gift to this world. That you'd help us to walk together and follow in you, and seeing moments of liberation and healing and transformation and renewal happen in our neighbourhoods, in our city, in our world. God, give us that belief. We thank you so much that we get to see it in the life of Christ. And we just ask that you'd help us to kind of meet with you even more in the now as we sing and worship you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we stand? 
together.